0: High debt levels put banks at risk. Let's have a look. Hello everyone, Florian Heiser here and welcome to another episode of Heiser Says. I have my Stein of coffee as always and I thought we'd have a look at this article from news.com.au regarding the high debt levels of Australia's banks and, well, the risk that that poses to, I'd say, all of us. So let's have a look at this. It's by Stephen Long. Analysts believe banks can withstand the illness shock, but high debt levels leave few buffers. What do you think, guys? Are you concerned? Are you worried? Our banks are solid as a rock. Solid as a rock. We'll have to see. It's the sharpest and swiftest economic downturn anyone alive has seen, and that's true. A sudden shutdown of large swathes of the economy, with property price crashes looming. This, this is collapsing and jobless rates forecast to hit levels akin to the Great Depression. Now, I saw someone shared on Twitter a bit of footage from our treasurer and uh, or finance minister, one of them, and he was saying ha- housing. Oh, oops, corrected, health crisis. In his, uh, so you can see what's on his mind. What is on his mind? Housing, I think, will lag. Definitely will. And this, this is the thing. I'm, I'm just checking. ASX is up now. 200 is up 8% this morning. Why? Are people confident that the, the money printing and the stimulus will work? We'll have to see, guys. We'll have to see. So all bearing down on a society that, outside of Switzerland, has the world's highest household debt levels everywhere. So go on. Good on your Aussies. We got the high. We would, we're would. we nearly number one. We can beat Switzerland. That spells big trouble for Australian banks. Maybe, depending on how long it lasts. One leading analyst says it may not be as much trouble as some fear. Everyone panics at the first, that's the first thing. Respected analyst Brian Johnson, a managing director of US-owned investment bank, Jeffries, told the ABC. But when we actually look at their business models, banks go bust because they run out of cash. And the Australian banks have got a lot of cash, a lot more capital than they used to have. So leading analysts see a few reasons for optimism this veteran observer is no polani in the past including in the run-up to the gfc he was very negative about the strength of australia's banks however he sees a few reasons to be cheerful now despite the dire economic shock firstly whether by design or fluke of fortune The Australian banks cashed up before the illness crisis hit our shores. In January and February, the cost of funding for Australian banks had gone down and Australian banks exploited that, he said. At the time, I was puzzled, but they actually raised a lot more funding than they would normally require. Why? Luck is his conclusion, though perhaps the banks saw it coming. Either way, it means major banks here secured a lot of cash before withholding before wholesale funding markets all but froze in response to the economic fallout from the virus it will be six months before they need to tap the markets for funds again mr johnson said and the rba stands ready to assist if banks are low on cash of course they are of course they are if cash gets low the reserve bank stands ready to assist since 2015 in the wake of the gfc the rba had offered australian banks what's known as the committed liquidity facility In the RBA's own words, it entails the central bank committing to standing ready to provide a bank with liquidity against highly high quality collateral that would otherwise be illiquid in the market. In other words, in times of distress, banks can bundle up loans into securities and park them with the central bank for a very modest fee in return for cash. Hmm. Have, Have we seen something like this before? Have we seen something like this before? Let me know in the comments, guys. Does it worry you? This emergency line of credit is set at more than 220 billion this year. And if that's not enough, the RBA would likely scale it up or set up something else if necessary. Well, okay, you know. The central bank is also offering term funding of at least $90 to the banking system to allow lenders to support small and medium-sized businesses, but it will also allow lenders to shore up cheap reserves. I mean, this is the thing. What small business is going to go out and borrow money now? I don't understand. I really don't. I mean, if maybe if you're expanding, I guess, but who's going to take on debt to pay expenses or to keep staff? particularly now if the government's handing out money left, right, and center. Some 130 banks, building societies, and credit unions unions can borrow from the RBA dirt cheap at a fixed rate of 0.25%, for funds equivalent to up to 3% of their total outstanding credit to households and businesses in the first instance. It's not free money, but it's close to it, Mr. Johnson said. So risks transferred to the public sector after the GFC. Since the global financial crisis, the federal government has also guaranteed bank deposits of up to $250,000, meaning the vast majority of people's savings are protected. In the wake of the GFC, regulators required the banks to lessen their reliance on short-term funding that had to be rolled over relatively quickly and secure more long-term funding in an effort to make the banking system, in the regulators' words, unquestionably strong. Measures to reduce risk in banking systems are being mirrored around the world as the state steps in to protect financial institutions after learning lessons from the GFC. Is there been any mention yet of the potential for bail-in laws? Or for the potential for bail-in? What we can see around the world is the transfer of risk from the private sector banks to the public sector, Mr. Johnson said. The upshot is that the banks came through this not in great shape, but in a better position than some of their share prices would indicate. The transfer of risk from profit-seeking banks to the public sector raises some interesting, philosophical, and moral questions. Profit is often viewed and defended as a reward for risk-taking. However, if and when push comes to shove, the institutions of the state are going to take on the bank's risks in order to safeguard the economy, and how much profit is justified, and what should the state demand in return. Economist Jared Minack agrees. The banks will be safe because the government won't let them fail. It's a huge impact on the profitability of some of their lines of business, he said. But ultimately, the authorities in the RBI will backstop them, so we will have banks. They're not going to go out of business. There are some big caveats to this relative optimism, however. One is the unknown duration of the crisis. If it lasts six months, I think we'll muddle through, Jeffries Mr. Johnson said. But if it goes much longer, then expect ScoMo and Josh Frydenberg to step up uh, to the dais again and again and pledge more money. We will see depression-like economic data in the next three to four months, he said. The difference is, in the actual Great Depression, government policy actually exacerbated the downturn. Their response to the initial shock was to tighten fiscal policy, tighten the budget. Whereas now, of course, we've got massening loose, massive loosening of both monetary and fiscal policy, With policymakers acting in a proactive way. But nothing comes without a price, everyone. Nothing comes without a price. Because if this was good, just, you know, handing out money left, right, and center. Why don't they do it all the time? Why is anyone working? When the government can just magic money for us all. And it'll be paid off in the future. Just keep, I don't know, just magic money to pay off the money that you've made. Again and again. For infinity. Perpetual motion machine. sure that'll work. So over <clears throat> overextended borrowers mean a few buffers. And we've seen this in the past when looking at just the arrears rates growing. <clears throat> so however it is possible, the economic and financial impacts will be so enormous that it overwhelms the fiscal and monetary policy response. One of the things that global financial crisis demonstrates or demonstrated was the multiple feedback loops that happen in an interconnect, interconnected global financial system where all manner of bills and payments are packaged up, traded, and sold throughout the world. High levels of defaults could feed back into the financial system, causing potential chaos. Graham Anderson from Mortgage Analytics believes the government and central bank may have to step in to bail out the banks if the economic shock continues to October or beyond. Extreme levels of household debt also mean we come to the crisis with few buffers, he argued. While the major banks are offering three to six month grace periods where customers can freeze payments on their mortgage, there are no guarantees banks will be willing or able to extend that if the crisis lingers on. We're going through a period where they will offer some forbearance to the borrowers, but it's all contingent on how long this goes on and for how generous they are, he said. It's one thing to go easy on owner-occupiers, but the classic nurse or teacher With four or five investment properties we hear about, how long will the banks go easy on them? Well, there you go. Yes. You know, all the the landlord uh, moguls. We don't want to reward the imprudent. There are a lot of examples around the world and in Australia where people have absolutely pushed and overextended themselves in the belief that nothing will ever go wrong. This is obviously a huge sideswipe that no one could foresee, but ultimately shows... You need some buffers in the system, and we've taken out most of the buffers. Mr. Minak also said a sharp decline in house prices could create a powerful wealth effect, which may discourage people from spending uh, even after the immediate economic shock passes. And There we go. We'll have to see how that goes. We've got virtually no household savings. We've all felt like we could save less because our houses were doing the savings for us, he said. If... We then see consumers start to rebuild their savings rate. Then we could become, and uh, then that could become an extended drag on the economy for some time. Or perhaps freed from the confines of social distancing and shutdown, we will eat, drink, and be merry. At least those of us who still have our lives and our livelihoods when the pandemic passes. So I mean, he's ending on a very interesting point there: the potential of a housing crash to well remove the wealth effect. But also, the change in people's behaviors. How many people will go, this is never happening to me again. I'm building a six-month emergency fund. And so that could drag this on. You know, even if it's only a small portion, 20-30% of the economy. Well, that's not small. But I'm saying that's a significant number of people and will have a significant impact. We'll have to wait and see, guys. What do you think? Are you worried about the banks? Do you think it's fair that the government will bail them out? With all our money? When... We don't get all the profits. Let me know your thoughts and opinions in the comments below, guys. How you're preparing, if you're worried. Once again, thank you all for watching. Please like, share, and subscribe to the channel. If you're a fan and you want to support us, there are a few ways you can. You can join the channel on YouTube or Patreon for a small monthly fee. You can use our affiliate links at Amazon or eBay where we, we receive an advertisers commission. You can use our referral links at Independent Reserve or KuCoin for your crypto trading. We have merch we sell from the Heiser's website and from Teespring. You can donate to us via PayPal or send us gold via Gold Pass. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you all in the next video. Bye for now.